Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 205. Welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you are. Live here on Facebook, proud member of the Education Podcast Network, Voice Ed Radio Canada, or certainly on iTunes, where uh, there are so many listeners, so many followers. We appreciate you. It's been a fun journey uh, getting to 205 and uh, all things blessed, all things going in the right direction. We'll make it to 206. So uh, what an awesome journey here on Education Leadership Beyond. Excited to be on and uh, thank you for uh, your support. We're going to meet an old friend. We're going to meet an old dog today. John Rexford uh, from Oregon. John has been in Almost every position in leadership uh, in schools uh, you can be in. He has a history in salmon fishing, uh, and he is a huge, here we go, Rex, Oregon State Beavers fan. Um, so we are going to talk to uh, John Rex, as they call him, Rexford, here in a moment. Uh, and uh, what an interesting character. What an interesting uh, educator. So I'm excited to talk with Rex. I don't have a copy here, but the uh, today the sponsor of the show is me, and it's Tales from the Hardwood. Uh, my latest book is out. John's going to tell some stories today about his experience. These are refereeing and leadership stories from my time on the court as a Division One men's basketball official. It was a great run, almost to 20 years, and I learned a ton. Uh, John has seen my presentation, Tales from the Hardwood, and... Uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. I'm so happy that the book is out and whole, so happy to share it uh, with others. So I hope you'll check that out. And uh, uh, it's on Amazon. It's on my website, etc. And I'm getting those copies out to people. All right. Rex's presentation uh, where him and I met at Wide Open Spaces with Eric Nichols. We'll give a shout out to Eric Nichols. Um, was called Lessons from an Old Dog, right? And you hear that and it just makes you want to go to the presentation. And Rex was awesome, and he shared wise advice and just sound uh, things, practices we can do as educators. And uh, when you hear that, right, lessons from an old dog, I thought about a couple of things. Like, what does it take to be an old dog? How, how come he has the right to say it? And I say that so respectful. Uh, and, and John will talk about the name there. Um, but he wasn't afraid to try new tricks, right? He called himself an old dog but not afraid to try new tricks. He's got a lifetime of experiences, not afraid to share, right? Ups and downs with those experiences. Uh, he's had success and failures, right? You don't have experience. You're not an old dog with ups and downs, with lefts and rights and, and successes and failures. And what were the learning lessons there? What, what did he do better the second time? And lastly, resilience, right? Uh, Rex is retired. He said he's terrible at retirement and he's still working. But you have resilience to be in education that long and uh, kind of that stick with it attitude and mindset. So um, thinking about those things and, and his resilience, right? You can't be in education for 40 plus years uh, like Rex has and not be resilient, not be able to, to go through, not go through a construction project that had a sinkhole and be able to work their way out of that and fix that uh, with some band-aids and a lot of hard work. So uh, I think about those things and I'm not in the old dog position, but when I get there, 
I want to be prepared. I want to have a wealth of experience, a, a wealth of successes, and, and I know they come with failures as well. So let's bring Rex into the program. Enough of me. They don't they don't they don't sign on to hear me, Rex. They they sign on to meet the guests like you. Here he is from Oregon. Uh, Rex John Rexford. John, welcome to Education Leadership Beyond. Andrew Marotta, it's great to be here. It's great to be with you. I know we've been kicking this around for a while. We've met each other a couple times now out there in your beautiful state. Uh, welcome, Rex. Um, you heard that opening uh, there about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and 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 when did you take on the old dog uh, uh, nickname there? <laughs> well, first of all, it, some things are self-apparent, right? Um, you know, I. I've got uh, almost white hair, and, and I, I always say that I, I earned every one of those um, <laughs> over time. So um, I was a late bloomer to education. So um, both of my folks were teachers, and I was not going to go into education, damn it. Um, so I went off, um, ended up with a, a degree in business, and then uh, wandered into education through the operations, the business uh, side of the house. And when it was time to get my master's, um, I, I still was not sure I was going to stay in. So I, I got myself an MBA because um, I wasn't real sure that this whole education touchy feely stuff was going to work out. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, you know, the die was kind of cast. Um, you don't you don't grow up in an education family and and not feel the tugs of, of what we can do to make a difference for students um, in our lifetime. So. Um, that, that kind of, uh, I, I got back into the family fold as you will, uh, to work, uh, as an educator and leader. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that stuff with the fishing. Cause I find that very fascinating and I'm sure it's added to you. Um, but you've spent a, a number of years as superintendent, you were a business official, you were a teacher, you filled many of those roles. What would you say Rex is your style? right? And leading in those different positions. What, when you talk about you and your style, what, what, what did they say? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, so uh, after uh, 24 years with Ben Lapine schools, where I spent most of my adult life and most of my career. And that's I, in Bend, Oregon, right? Bend, Oregon, right. Yeah. Bend and Lapine is a, a small town about 30 miles away and it's a, a consolidated district. But I, I was looking for kind of my last challenge, my capstone challenge, and I was interviewing for a superintendent position for a regional education agency, uh, iDesert ESD. And I'm, you know, I'm in one of those big panel interviews that we love to do in education, right? And they're spread, I've got 11 people at the table, but they're spread wide out across in front of me. So it's like a, a tennis match as you're looking back and forth, trying to keep up with who's talking to you and, and trying to interact with folks. Um, and, and they asked me, um, so could you describe your leadership style? Well, I hadn't interviewed in 24 years, right? <laughs> so I, I'm a little rusty at this whole interview process other than being on the other side of the table. And I, I swear I froze, I was a deer in the headlights. Now it probably was about a beat and a half, right? But I was having one of those moments and and I, I, I mumbled out some sort of pablum about leadership. And, um, you know, in my head, the little thought bubble was, um, well, I don't know, I just go places and seem, people seem to follow along. So I, I really thought about that. So since then, I've thought about, I'm giving you the long answer to the short yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. 
So I, I, uh, I've thought about a lot about that and I would describe my leadership style is, is, um, is number one relational. It's about relationships. It's about integrity and sincerity uh, and, and a, a bit of confidence um, and uh, having, um, you know, back, I guess, to the relational part, really caring for the folks that I get to work with um, and, and wanting to understand what, what makes everybody tick and what's going on in their lives and figuring out how I can support them um, as, as kind of a servant leader. Uh, and, and it goes back to my thought bubble and it, it, people seem to respond to that. And, and I've had a lot of success, um, with that kind of, um, it's kind of organic, kind of casual, um, style. I'm well, not, I, yeah, I could see that just the way we met and you had a smile on your face and we, you know, we shook hands and it was like, wow, this is a guy you want to be around. Uh, so I could see that after having met you. Uh, what would you say, Rex, what were some of those things that kind of came easy to you? They were already in your makeup, whereas maybe what were some of the other leadership strategies or styles that took a little longer to develop or, or maybe you didn't have early on? Oh, that's that's good. That's a good question. I, I um, Well, numbers come easy to me, right? Um, so uh, I, I, I go, um, you know, a little matrix on you sometimes when I'm processing and seeing numbers. So numbers have always uh, come easy to me. So when I was working in the school business side, uh, you know, doing budgets and accounting and that sort of thing, that skill was bolted right in. Um, my one-on-one -on -one skills, my ability to connect with people, you know, th that probably comes uh, probably from my mother. Yeah, if, if anything, she was she was a force of nature, but she she kind of uh, loved on everybody that she ran into, and I, I'm sure that I have that uh, bolted into me. What came hard to me was things like public speaking. Um, I am an extroverted introvert, right? <laughs> I put on, I put on a mask. I put on, I play a role yeah. um, when I'm, you know, in my, in my leadership role. And I, you know, sometimes I always, you know, feel a little bit like I'm a poser a little bit. And, and so being able to take what those one-on-one -on -one skills that I had, those my ability to relate to people on a, on a, on an individual basis and translating that to the, the larger screen, if you will, the larger setting um, yeah. took, took a lot of practice. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that um, if I didn't vomit before my first school board meeting, I wanted to really. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you weren't vomiting afterwards and, and the meeting turned out all right. But I, I've never heard that, Rex. I'm an extroverted <laughs> introvert. That, yeah, That is classic. Uh, well, hey, you make it look easy. You have a, uh, an easy way about you. Rex, you have, have had a lifetime in, in education, right? There's great things that have happened and, and certainly hurdles. What, what were some of the highlights, right? And, and I know you're very humble also, but I want to hear some of the great things that you were part of. And then what were some you know, challenges you had? What were some maybe like, oof, that was, uh, that was a rough period or, 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 you know, or a story there? So let's start with the positives. Well, the positives, um, uh, you know, beginning, I, I feel like I made a difference in the lives of the children that we serve here. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I, I bought in on that, you know, that family ethic to begin with. And that is that uh, we're here to make a difference. And to the extent that we can change the arc in, in students' lives, um, that's, that's the most satisfying work that we do. At the same time, um, I've only taught adults. So um, my skills are not necessarily in a first grade classroom teaching reading or, or in, a, in a high school classroom teaching mathematics. Um, my skills are, are being able to see numbers and build budgets and create long-term plans and kind of work in the background so that the magic that happens in the classroom can happen without barriers, you know, without a leaky roof, with adequate number of supplies based on the resources we have. Um, a lot of my success has been in financial stability, financial planning. The most visible part of my success has been that uh, Ben Lapine was a very much a growing school district. And so mm -hmm. um, uh, more than doubled in size uh, during my tenure. Wow. And I had the opportunity, um, huge opportunity to help plan and uh, fund, design and build uh, 13 schools there in one big support site. Um, wow. You know, for a lot of uh, educators, superintendents, uh, education leaders, you know, you get to do one school project um, in your career. And and I was able to have a hand in and work with some great people um, to put up 13 schools. 13 schools in the same district during your tenure? Yes. Wow, yeah. that's growth. Yeah, no, that's that's growth and it's a lot of opportunity, you know? Wow, wow. So certainly some of the highlights and, and you get to see these buildings, you're still in that community. Um, what were the, some of the, I wish I would have, or man, I shouldn't have done that. What were some of the, maybe the left turns where you should have gone right? You know, most of them uh, were more, I guess the biggest one, and you alluded to it, was that uh, we built this, built this just beautiful high school on, um, on the, the, the west side of Bend, beautiful campus, beautiful field structure, um, you know, brand new stadium, brand new state-of-the-art track, um, all that sort of thing. And um, because of um, a, a twice in a hundred year rainstorm and some design flaws, we had this huge sinkhole that basically wiped out, wiped out that whole athletic facility. I mean, it was, unusable uh, when, wow. when the storms were done. Uh, there was huge sinkholes and, and um, uh, you know, football lights are cockeyed and chunks of the track are gone. And um, <laughs> it, it, it only took a $9 million repair job. And that was in, you know, uh, 2005 prices wow. uh, as opposed to what it would cost now to, to make it right. So I always say that on my, uh, on my tombstone, it'll say he had a sinking feeling. <laughs> and certainly, right, as a leader, you take ownership there. But that seems like, you know, some of that is out of your hands, but you still had to deal with the situation. It was, but, you know, to use a, you know, a, a, a metaphor, a, a boating metaphor, my hand was on the tiller, right? So doesn't matter that we ran into a log with the boat. Um, I was driving, the, you know, driving the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like it was my responsibility and, and we made it right. And, and, uh, 
you know, we learned we learned some lessons. Uh, I'm sure when you go walk on that track, looking around, you're kind of checking the ground out and see see what the status is. <laughs> oh, it's not going anywhere now. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> There's about nine million reasons why it's not. Well, yeah. and and you could look back and and the the, the wins and the losses and and certainly the hurdles. Uh, that's that's an amazing feeling, uh, or must be. Um, and that community is lucky that that they had you at the tiller, as you say, to to guide through those uh, things. Uh, John, we were talking off air a little bit about you came from a background in, in fishing, salmon fishing, yeah. and and you were in that world before education. So tell me tell me about that time in your life and and the passion that that you you had then and you still have now. Sure, sure. So my dad, as I alluded, was um, um, a high school, or maybe I didn't say he was a high school math teacher. He was, in fact, I went. We went to a small school, Cresswell High School. Um, go, go Bulldogs! Um, and he was the only math teacher I had when I was in high school. It's that it's that small. But um, Dad was a math teacher before collective bargaining, when um, compensation uh, wasn't so great, and you know, balancing the family budget meant there was some sort of work in the summertime. And when I was 10, my dad bought a commercial salmon troller. Wow. And so I was his uh, first mate and swabby and whatever, you know, gopher um, for uh, eight seasons uh, on the water every summer on a salmon troller. Um, and and uh, trolling is a, a hook and line fishery. So we'd go out and we'd put out these big main lines and they'd have uh, uh, spreads with hooks on them and the salmon would bite and we'd haul them up and down and, you know, uh, harvest the salmon, that sort of thing. Um, uh, but it's, you know, from the butt crack of dawn until uh, dark at night um, every day, um, every day you can get on the water. This is not a big boat. So if it really blew up out there in terms of weather, you took the day off. Yeah. Um, but lots of lessons, you know, um, when I was 10, it was just learning how to steer the boat straight, right? Find a, find a point on the compass, go the way dad wanted to me. And he helped me understand, uh, how I needed to correct it. That's an understatement. Um, when, when I was pointed the wrong direction and, uh, it's <laughs> when so my dad passed about a decade ago, I was cleaning out some of his stuff and I, he had log books that he kept when we were out fishing and, the year that I was 12, he, uh, he noted in the logbook, uh, John started running the right side today. Well, that meant that I was just running the, you know, starboard side of the boat, uh, doing all that was needed to do to, to do that fishing operation. So, um, spent that time on the, every summer, learned a ton of stuff, learned a vocabulary, not appropriate for schools. <laughs> a little salty, as you say. Yeah, a little salty. <laughs> a little salty. So then, go ahead. Go ahead. What what would you bring in on a day? Like what a typical day? Are you catching um, I don't know, a dozen? Or are you catching two hundred? Like no, a hundred. I, I mean, a great day was two hundred. Okay, um, that's a lot of hooks. A lot, a lot of hooks, a lot of bait, <laughs> a lot of cleaning, a lot of fish guts. But after that, I'll just I'll you know again I'm I can make a, a, a short story long easily. Um, was pretty sure I wasn't going to be able to put myself to college working for my dad. So went to work on the docks in Newport uh, on shoreside uh, processing. So started unloading boats, 
doing all the jobs that you do in a, in a fish plant uh, in, in Oregon. So we processed salmon, uh, rock fish, uh, shrimp, crab, uh, all that uh, while I was going to college and then stayed in the business for a while after I got out. Wow. Wow. So we, we could do a whole separate show on that. Uh, but Rex, like you, you did go down the road of education and the road of education leadership. So what would you say were some things that you took from that experience that helped you in the role as a business administrator and superintendent? Well, one of the things I, I guess that, that really pops to mind, Andrew, is that um, I learned that every person needs something different from a leader, right? So when I was in the fish plant, um, not everybody wants to self-actualize and understand why. They just want to work their eight hours and get paid and go home and get on with their lives. And sometimes leadership, you don't need to overthink. Just let folks know what they need to do. Um, make sure they have the tools to do it. Thank them for a job well done and get in and get out. Other folks want to understand why. They want to understand the motivation. They, you know, they want to take it to a higher level and they take a different kind of leadership. Some folks just need to be pointed in the right direction uh, and understand the, the boundaries. Others, um, you know, need a little more hands-on approach, uh, but you've got to find that. And that's probably probably the biggest lesson that I learned from those early days uh, working on the docks. You became supervisor at 19 and had to face things you really maybe hadn't faced before. And that happens when you become superintendent and, and uh, you know, assistant superintendent for business. So when you, you know, when you were nervous at 19, what were some things maybe you were like, oh, how am I going to handle this as superintendent or business official? Any, anything that was similar? Oh, man. Mostly, you know, and I alluded to it before, the, the learning areas that I had as I came into uh, being a, a business official, being a assistant superintendent for operations and, and finance, um, was just scaling up and communicating with large audiences and 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 dealing with the external. Um, by then in my career, that leading leading and working with a team internally had gotten to be pretty natural. Mm. So I didn't think a lot about that. I think some of those really fundamental skills that I had uh, picked up uh, early on in my career just became how you do business, right? Sometimes how habits uh, just become how you do business. And, and so my learning was more the external part, uh, communicating with larger audiences, working with school boards. Yeah. Uh, unique to my career path, I've been at the board table virtually my whole career because I was you know, started out in a small school district as a finance manager. So um, that, that, you know, that, that, gave me another opportunity. There are no problems. There's only opportunities, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Rex, how about the how about the pressure to perform, right? When you were out on that boat, you had to perform for safety and to bring in the product. How does that translate? Because sometimes in, in school leadership, right, it, it, on a daily basis, the small little things, you don't see those results right away. You know what I mean? How would you say that, you know, that, that pressure to perform 
uh, translated for you? Well, a lot of that was self-imposed, but, but, but maybe I took that work ethic, that understanding that, you know, if I screwed up on the boat, um, lives were at stake. Most of the time when you screw up in, in education, lives aren't at stake. Um, and, and so, but we can affect lives, right? Yes. We can affect the lives of our students, their families, uh, the, the, the folks that we work with, mm -hmm. our staff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I, as I retired from full-time work in 2017, my deputy uh, superintendent, Paul Andrews, just a dandy, dandy fellow. We had just five years of too much fun uh, with ESD, <laughs> but he was my successor. And we were chatting later that summer. And I said, you know, the best night's sleep I've had in years was June 30th. He said, yeah, and I woke up in the middle of the night and started worrying. Because, um, <laughs> uh, <we, laughs> you, you know, you, you, especially when you get into the very top leadership, um, decisions you make impact the lives, particularly of your staff. Um, and and I, I, probably, um, I probably didn't do a very good job of, of uh, you know, putting that in a compartment um, that was always kind of there when I was particularly at that, that highest level of leadership. Uh, sure. towards the end. Sure. So Rex, you're, you're in, in the later chapters here, right? You have written a lot in your, in your book. Where, where are we going? Where are we going education now? Uh, you've built schools, you've built budgets. Um, there's a lot of money out there right now, federal money, you know, where are we going in education with all of this? Well, I have a lot of confidence in, in the next generation of educators and education leaders. And, and that's really where I'm putting my time and effort in is trying to, you know, you've, you've heard me talk about trying to make a difference. Well, right now, um, you know, I have a personal legacy. I have uh, two beautiful daughters and uh, one of them has two more daughters. So I've got, um, you know, a, a personal legacy in, in, in my children and, my grandchildren, but trying to leave a little bit of a legacy in, in education. And in my mind, it's helping develop um, new and emergent education leaders. So that's where a lot of my time goes now. Uh, leadership coaching, mentoring, supporting, uh, trying to be there to help uh, this next generation of, of, of folks um, make their difference in the world. Mm -hmm. I. I have, I'm high on public education. I, I think we've got, we, we've had a real um, kind of stumble here with, with the, the pandemic. And um, I'm, I'm convinced that what we've seen for the most part, uh, online distance learning um, works for a few kids, but it doesn't work for all or most kids. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to have to do a little bit of resetting the table, kind of learn, learn from the best of what we've done the last couple of years um, and translates that. I, I just don't think you can replace the magic that happens in a classroom with a, with a, a master teacher and, and the children right there, you know, eye to eye, seeing expressions, no mask, all those kinds of things. That, that secret sauce, that magic, uh, I think is still where it's at. And our job at this point is to extend that to folks who have either been underserved 
through, um, you know, whatever barriers are in place, whether it be poverty, um, folks from communities of color, whatever those barriers are, we need to make sure that that magic that happens in classrooms is, is available to every kid. Um, and, and so they can, um, you know, reach their potential. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rex in coaching the, the, the school leaders you are, um, what are some of the things that you're seeing the best people do and what are some of the things, or, or maybe I don't want to say mistakes, but maybe some of the not successful habits or, or strategies that some of these younger uh, school leaders are doing? Well, I, one, I think they're doing a lot right. And, and what I'm trying to do is help them trust themselves so that when they have that first thought, um, they aren't, you know, they don't doubt themselves. These kids are smart. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. So uh, sometimes I ask them, did you think about, or, you know, you just pose questions to help them kind of raise that up and, and, or expand their world from being that master teacher in the classroom to all the kinds of realities it, that they have to deal with. The, the ones that I, I find struggling are those that um, um, they're enthusiastic and they want to fix everything now. Mm. And, and I'm sure you've, you've experienced this, Andrew, as, as you were becoming a leader. Um, you've got to take on the most important things first, but you don't take on everything first. Um, not everything's a hill to die on. At the same time, sometimes the little hills are the ones to die on, and you just set the big ones aside. You know, you control your controllables. So mm -hmm. a lot of that, that struggles I see with some of the young leaders is discerning what are the things you need to take on and what are the things that you can set off and, and tackle down the road. Uh, you know, once you've established relationships, once you've taken care of the things that are, you know, big fires right now uh, or little fires that are going to be big fires. So, yeah. And along your lines of what you said earlier, right. That you learned out on the fishing boat, right. What works for a might not work for B might not work for C. And, and I love the method in which you coach, right. Have you thought about, have you tried, why don't you, you know, not do this and do that. You know, it's such a, such a, a way you have talking to people that is, uh, you know, people want to be around. Yeah. Thanks. thanks. Yeah. You have a couple more passions. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we could talk all day, but Oregon State and the beautiful city of Corvallis is uh, is warm and close to your heart. Tell me about your relationship with Oregon State. Well, my my folks uh, were both first generation college goers and met at Oregon State. You know, uh, what was Oregon State College at the time? Um, my mom grew up uh, over by campus in Corvallis, and so. Um, when little uh, little baby Johnny came along, uh, your Mother's Day born. present, right? We're on the eve of Mother's Day here. We are. I was a little <laughs> Mother's Day gift for my mom. Um, uh, I was born in Corvallis, and um, but was raised away in a small town about oh, 50 miles away from there. Um, but uh, the tug comes. You know, my mom would sing the Beaver Fight song to me as a baby, and uh, I was an avid um, Beaver believer growing up and uh, graduated there, got my first degree from, from Oregon State and um, longtime season ticket holder in football and in baseball. And um, just to, you know, show all in and 
instead of, um, you know, having a, a, a second home, a vacation home in someplace warm, um, we have a vacation home, a second home in Corvallis. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, now I'm a sports buff and I'm learning about the Pac-12. I've been blessed to be out there. You know, they've had a tough, tough go. It's a, it hasn't been the, the best in some of those sports, but baseball has has really stood out. Why why is baseball so successful there? You know, it's interesting. I think the pack has always been, uh, particularly once they picked up the Arizona schools. Um, you know, this solid the, the 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 sunny climbs, California, Arizona, have always had a lot of success at, at college baseball, and with the um, the the advent of really good turf. Um, you know, artificial turf. Um, it's made um, Northwest baseball uh, a lot more viable too. So, uh, you know, the Huskies um, have, have decent teams up at the University of Washington. Um, that other school in Eugene um, uh, has, uh, you know, reborn their uh, their baseball team, but um, they've just put together a successful program at Oregon State. They've been, uh, you know, national champions three times in the last 15 years and uh, uh, they, they play a really good brand of ball and they got a great little ballpark. So, yeah. um, and a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. Those kids put in the time. Yeah. It is a beautiful campus. Uh, if you've never been there, uh, Corvallis, Oregon, shout out to Sellis family. My, my childhood friend is a cardiologist there, but uh, he, like you has taken on, uh, you know, loves it, loves the community, loves the sports. Uh, what was that? What did that mean for the school community when uh, um, Michelle Obama's brother was there? Craig, uh, Craig, Craig Brown, Craig, uh, Craig Robinson, Craig Robinson. Yeah. What Craig was Robinson. that? Was there an impact there that, wow, this is uh, Michelle Obama's brother? Like, well, that, yeah, I mean, everybody noticed. And, and you know, with, um, uh, uh, Craig had come from, oh, I'm just drawing Brown University. Name. Was there Brown University? Brown. And. And so the the Beaver basketball the men's team would have um, some sort of contest on the East Coast every year, and you kind of notice when the president's there, you know that that sort of thing. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> did you walk up to Barack and say, "Here's my Beaver tattoo"? <laughs> no, that's uh, you know, I I I've never had a chance to meet President Obama. Um, but I, you know, uh, he came through Bend when he was campaigning that first time around. So that was, that was kind of fun. There you go. Yeah. Rex, uh, what was something you wanted to talk about that I did not ask you about? You know, um, probably the one, number one piece of advice I like to share is my, my notion of um, being relentlessly positive. Mm. Um, I, I think you can probably see it here. I, I, I pretty much always have a smile on my face until I don't. But um I think it's important for folks to be positive. I, not Pollyanna, not being naive. Um, you know, what I've learned is that, um, particularly when you're in leadership of an organization, um, the team, the folks that you work with, really look to leaders, the superintendent uh, or, or whatever role it might be, to see how we're doing. And, and we've gone through some tough times financially, the Great Recession was a tough, tough time. And um, the, I, I was a deputy superintendent at the time. And the superintendent and I just could not figure out how we were going to get through uh, 
you know, the budget challenges we had without, you know, decimating the program. So, um, you know, we kind of got our heads together, finally decided we had a path. And, and then we knew that between the two of us, we could figure it out. And once we were doing that, we could be around staff, we could exude kind of a quiet confidence um, and, and, and indicate we, we thought we had a path through, you know, tell them what we, we told them what we knew. We told them what we didn't know. I think sometimes that's almost as important. Yes. To acknowledge what you don't know and then try to understand when you you might know. Um, I, I think, um, you know, they'll hang on your every word. And so I think it's important as leaders that we, we choose our words really carefully. Yeah. And, and that's probably my number one message when I'm working with, with uh, emergent leaders uh, is really try to be positive and, and lead in the example that, that you want to set um, for your team. Yeah. And I love that word relentlessly positive, right? And I think it's important that we are relentless. So I, uh, I second that uh, Rex, Rex, let's get to rapid fire. This has been fun. You, uh, you're a guy that you could talk to on a podcast in an office or certainly at a, uh, a fish side bar there. Uh, uh, you know, there you so, go. <laughs> yeah, very versatile there. Let's go. Rex, these are uh, rapid fires. Uh, quickest answer, quickest catch uh, that you, you okay. get here, okay? Set the hook, right? Here we go. Last book you read. Um, last book was uh, historical naval fiction. Can't remember the title, but the author was a guy named Chris Durbin. Um, so stuff uh, on the ocean set in the the uh, early 1700s. Last movie you saw? Well, last one I saw in a theater, that would be No Time to Die, the, the latest James Bond yeah. thriller. Yeah. That, was a, that was a hoot. Um, I, I love watching uh, Bond flicks on the big screen. You know, Absolutely. Uh, you're a fisherman. What's your favorite dish? My favorite dish is really well-prepared um, Chinook salmon. King salmon might be known as. Um, I, I love it. I've got a, an old iron skillet, and I get it smoking hot with a little bacon grease in it and put it in with some salt and pepper and sear it off in about six, seven minutes. Serve that with some fresh asparagus, maybe some sort of starch like potatoes. And uh, that's just heaven, heaven on earth. He's got you. Favorite place to travel outside Corvallis? Oh, I've gotten the hook on Europe. I just, uh, we've had a chance to travel in Ireland and in Italy. Um, want to go back to the family roots in England. Um, uh, so I, I've just gotten that bug. I, you know, I didn't have a passport until I was, I don't know, 45, 50. Wow. So okay. I've kind of got that bug. What's a journal or a blog you subscribe to? Oh, you know, um, just recently, I so I listened to Michael Smirconish. He's uh, on Sirius XM in the morning on the POTUS channel. Guy out of uh, out of Philly or, or Pennsylvania, anyway. Really balanced, but he's got a a, a newsletter or a, a daily kind of news clips kind of thing. Yeah, uh, at his place, Smirconish.com. And, and I really enjoy it. It's a really pretty balanced slice of news. And, and it's kind of what I do first thing in the morning, get my cup of coffee, feed the dog and read the, the there you go. Myself. Yeah. Relieving stress is an important component of a leader, Rex. What, 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 how do you relieve stress? Um, 
I like to build things. I like to work with my hands. I like to restore stuff. Um, you know, I, I, um, I had an old fish box back from my days. Fish uh, In the old days, we packed salmon in these wooden boxes that were, I don't know, two foot by four foot, about that deep. Turned one into a bookshelf last year. Had an old one that had been kicking around the garage for years and fixed it up and made it into a bookshelf. So oh, when you walk into an authentic fish restaurant, what are a couple things you notice right off the bat? <laughs> I notice that it doesn't smell like fish, <laughs> right? Because good fish doesn't smell like fish. Um, and, and I also, you can tell um, by the way they care for their product. That's the important part. Mm. Um, and if they do it well, um, that's a place that I want to eat. What's a pet peeve of yours? Something gets under your skin. Ooh, what gets under my skin? So we have roundabouts here in Bend. Um, uh, and my pet peeve is when people don't uh, signal out. So, you know, the important part is to get into that thing, right? Because once you get in, you're good to go. Um, so uh, my pet peeve is people who don't signal out of roundabouts. Can't stand it. Can't stand I'm with you. Two recent victories for you. Oh, two recent victories. Oh, man, this should pop right to, to mind, right? Um, you know, you got to look for them, right? I'll give you one if you're struggling. I'll give you one. Yeah, give me one. Coming on the podcast is one. Well, right there. You know, I mean, come on. Kind of a no -brainer. It was hard to book you. I couldn't get you, man. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. You know, I, I'm wrapping up some things that, that um, this, they're kind of cool. So, um, uh, I, I'm winding down. I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing many one-on-one -on -one mentors anymore. Um, and at some point, um, you know, when you're working with folks, you got to let them free, let them go free and, and go right. on their own. And, and I, I'd say my victories are in, um, a couple of the, the one-on-one, uh, mentor jobs that I do that, that I've got some folks that are really, really flying. Really yeah. flying a well. awesome. and I'm it's just like your motto. It's like it's like your motto there in Oregon, right? You fly with your own wings, right? Fly with your own wings. That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, favorite message from the surviving and thriving workshops that you were part of. Ooh. Oh, I I heard one the other day, or yeah, I think it was. It might have been um, our colleague uh, Rachel um, George uh, yeah. at the most recent session, and. She was quoting somebody else, but she she talked about how you need uh, sometimes you need to act differently than you feel, mm -hmm. and I think I'm gonna um, I, I probably will incorporate that into my relentlessly positive um, spiel uh, about sometimes you have to act differently than you feel, and and that really caught my hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And Rachel's awesome, and her presentation was great. Uh, 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel. Fill in the blank. I feel um, – well, when I was working, I felt just that was my time to unwind, uh, probably have my second cup of coffee. Um, now, uh, 8 a.m., I'm just finishing up a walk. I feel like I'm ready to start the day. I walk yeah. with my dog. I walk. I walk the dog every morning. So yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful time of the weekend for sure. Best purchase under a hundred bucks that has had a great impact on your life. <laughs> First thing that pops into mind, I bought this uh, uh, electric hand warmer, and 
you just plug it in. It's got a USB port. You plug it in overnight. And you can turn it on. It is warm for a whole baseball game. Because in Oregon, it rains during baseball. And you got to have good rain gear and a hand warmer is priceless. So you charge it and then it stays for a couple hours. Oh, it's actually, it'll, it'll run um, uh, almost six hours. Wow. I'm looking for a Mother's Day present. <laughs> there you go. That might be it right there. Wow. Okay. That's good. Amazon.com, right? <laughs> if I know, I know if I come to your hometown or when I come to your hometown, we're going to a baseball game. But after a Corvallis baseball game, where are you going to take me in Corvallis? Oh, I'll probably take you to um, one of my favorite uh, restaurants down there. Um, you know, I was just trying to get the short list here. Um, there's a couple of great taco places. And go relax, have a beer, have a couple of really good tacos. A place called uh, uh, Tacovore. Um, let's, let, let's book it. Uh, why so much sun in Bend? Well, we have this thing called the Cascade Mountains. And all that wet stuff comes off the ocean. Um, the coast range is really low. Those wet clouds crash into the Cascades and um, it dries up. And so um, they just, those clouds are gone. So 300 days of sunshine here in beautiful Bend, Oregon. People do not know that. And that is a, a valuable thing because it is beautiful uh, there for sure. Uh, something about John Rexford that people do not know about. I love watching NASCAR. <laughs> you told me that at the bar. Yeah, you right. Did, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so um, in Cresswell, there was a, a, a just south of Cresswell, there was a, a dirt track um, that you could hear from my uh, uh, from my bedroom window. Um, and when I got old enough, I'd go down and watch race dirt track racing back in the day. And love so it. I still love to watch cars turn left. Well, when you're ready to come to uh, Pocono uh, Raceway here in uh, Pennsylvania, you will be my guest. Let's mark it down here on Education Leadership Beyond. We'd love to have you. Uh, and, yeah, certainly big time here in Pennsylvania. Thanks. I, yeah. I look forward to it. I look we got Anna, Anna Higgins. It's Bluebird uh, Bird today. Bluebird Day today. I didn't know that. Yeah. Thank so you, yeah. That's, uh, that's a phrase. I don't know. Uh, uh, here in, in Bend, we talk about Bluebird Days. That's where – you go up and ski in the sunshine and come down and golf in the afternoon, right? How about it? Anna uh, is is an amazing education leader. She's uh, uh, I had the opportunity to work with her when I was at the ESD and still serve on a little board on an innovation uh, foundation that she uh, she has going. There you go. Anna, thanks for tuning in. John, how can people get in touch with you? Somebody wants to have a conversation with the – a veteran like yourself, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? Well, the very best way is, you know, my, my email, john.rexford at hdesd.org, hdesd.org. Or I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at, uh, at john underscore Rexford, uh, tweeting as Papa Rex. So those are probably the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, I would recommend uh, School Leader. Uh, John has a wealth of experience and, and certainly is a warm uh, soul. Uh, so, John, I, I appreciate you coming on, and it certainly has been an honor for me to, to get to know you and some stories from the old dog. Great. Yeah. Very good. Great. Guys, this is John Rex Rexford. Uh, John, we appreciate you. It is show number 205. 
John, stay on the line a second uh, before we hang up. Um, if I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata 21. And uh, this was show number 205. Keep rolling, friends. Keep surviving and thriving. And certainly going to end with uh, a shout out to all of our teachers out there. It is Teacher Appreciation Week. Um, just amazing work that they've done. You mentioned in the pandemic, John, and, and coming out of it. And like you said, the magic happens in those classrooms. Uh, so all of our teachers out there that watch the program and, and uh, you know, just are out there plugging away, we thank you and we certainly appreciate you. Um, we're going to sign off here on show number 205, everybody. Rex, stay on the line. Signing off. Show 205. Keep surviving and thriving, everybody.